Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Moss. My name, of course, is Seth. If you've been with us here on YouTube all night long, you know that we are recording episode 35 this week. We are recording it in two parts. Uh, in our first part, uh, which came out earlier this week, we talked about the NFL draft, which will be happening next week. We talked about the European Super League and the changes to the UEFA Champions League. If you're joining us here now for hour number two of our show, uh, we are going to sit here and we're going to talk some New Mexico United. We're going to talk USL Championship. And guys, so much to get to. We did our burning question at the beginning of the of the last episode, and we talked about the New Mexico United kit. And uh, you know, if you missed that, please go check it out. Jacob and Earl are, of course, here with me this week. And a lot of news came out this week. First and foremost, one thing to get to: the USL Championship did announce their playoff format this year for the season. And if I rem- remember it correctly, I don't have it pulled up. The top four teams in each division will go to the playoffs. And from there is going to be rather interesting. I think we're going to have uh, some interesting playoff pairings there. We kind of, I think we kind of expect this one based on how their, uh, their tables are set up on their website. Jacob, did this surprise you at all? A little bit. Um, Not so much the four teams, four top teams from each conference. That didn't necessarily surprise me. I thought there might be a chance for a four five matchup play in game. Because if you remember the first year that we existed, there was a, quote, play-in round where 7 faced 10 and 8 faced 9. So I thought they might do something like that with the 4 and 5s in each group, but wasn't sure if that was going to happen or not. And with it not happening, the top four, pretty chalk. I think we all expected that. What is kind of surprising to me, uh, which I guess now thinking back it shouldn't be, is that... I thought they might do a mountain side of the bracket and then a Pacific side of the bracket for the West and then a central side and a Atlantic side for the East and then not have the two conferences play each other in the playoffs until the championship game. I think I had that in my head because that's how hockey is doing it this year. So that's kind of what I was leaning to. But if you look at last year, we played there were four divisions in each one and they kind of mixed it up. So, so the way it stands now, the winner of the mountain will face the fourth place team in the Pacific second place in the mountain will face the third place team in the Pacific first place in Pacific fourth place mountain. You get the gist. Um, If you're in first or second in your group or division, you will host the first round, no matter what the point totals are. So even in a world where, say, El Paso wins second place for the mountain, even if they have less points than the fourth or third place in the Pacific, they're still hosting no matter what. Uh, and then after that, it will be moving on to the semifinals, the quarterfinals, or the semifinals and the finals in the West. It will be whoever has the most points will host the match no matter what seed you were. So overall... Can't complain about it. Uh, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's not um, insane how they're doing it, but um, it makes sense for the division lineup that they have. And it's to me, it's exciting that you know we we want to be the first place team. We could be facing a team like Sacramento or Los Dos or somebody like that in the first round, um, and not have to face somebody that we've played four times already in Phoenix or not Phoenix, sorry, uh, El Paso or San Antonio or something like that. So 
So I'm happy with it. I think it's a good format for this year. And uh, the only thing I would change is I would I would maybe do a four or five play in game just for fun. Earl, are, are you on board with this uh, playoff format? Do you think any changes should have been made or are you pretty happy with it? I mean, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I have no complaints, but I guess my biggest question is it's April 20th. How are we talking about playoffs already? Well, they they announced the format, Earl. You got to you got to look and see what we're playing to what we're going to try to get to. And I I'm happy that we're trying to get to face the worst team in the Pacific instead of the worst team in our own and have to face, you know, a Colorado Springs or an Austin or something like that for a fourth or fifth time. So I'm good with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with it. I don't get me wrong. I am okay with it. Um, I obviously we want to play, we want to make, win our, our division, but it's a little interesting with like the second and third round into it, the semifinal and the actual final and conference final being that they're going off points. So essentially you can have an unsportsmanlike game, if you want to call it, where New Mexico United scores 20 goals on El Paso or 40 goals on Phoenix. Um, there's a lot of wishful thinking going on there. But essentially you could have one of those matches where one club just keeps scoring and scoring and scoring in order to better their spot if they were to make it past the first round. Not goals. Points in, in the table. So a win gets you three points. Uh, a draw gets you one point. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> I was like, All right. I was like, where are you going with this 20 goals against El Paso thing? <laughs> I've misunderstood. My apologies. We'll just cut that part out, Earl. We'll cut that part out. Don't worry about it. Once once again, there's the door. I'll see myself to it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting. A little bit different than what we saw before. And uh, we're going to start getting into our, our previews here pretty soon. Jacob's working on something uh, to get out to you guys written here pretty soon. Just glancing at the divisions you know, between the mountain and the Pacific. Where do we, do we want to finish? top of the top of the mountain or do we want to finish you know maybe you know two three oh i know we definitely don't want to finish four you know because uh, my guess is we'll probably see like phoenix uh or someone up there number one and out in the pacific and you definitely don't want that matchup to to start off your playoff run but uh are we thinking you know one two three or are you thinking maybe like two three and maybe avoid uh some of the more dangerous teams i think i think you not only do you have to aspire to be number one just because, and you want to be the best club in the, in the thing? Um, I look at three clubs out in the Pacific that I don't want to face if I don't have to. And that's Phoenix, Orange County and San Diego. Um, I, I just, I think San Diego is going to be really good. I think Orange County can be on our level and, or not, not on our level. Sorry. I think Orange County can be El Paso's level, San Antonio level. Um, so a good squad, not necessarily a, a super, super scary squad, but a good squad. And then, so I think that fourth place team, whether it's Oakland, whether it's Los Dos, whether it's Sacramento, um, I don't think it'll be Tacoma and I don't think it'll be Las Vegas. But, um, you know, that matchup, 
I think would be extremely easy compared to the other three clubs that I don't want to face. And it could shake out differently, but at this point in time, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, you know, I don't think clubs you know ever try to game the system, uh, so to speak. But they, you know, they may look at it later on and say, okay, maybe we, you know, maybe we go play for the draw in this one. You know, just to try to play with the points a little bit. Uh, I don't think there'll ever be like anything like match fixing or anything like that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how much of how much those potential matchups play into uh, match planning and game planning later on in the season. Uh, but it's always going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see how the playoffs turn out. And, and uh, I mean, you know, like Carl said, you know, it's, it's April. We haven't even started the regular season. We're already talking about the playoffs. Um, and, you know, the USL championship has, uh, has some great previews out on the website right now. They're doing, uh, div- doing them divisions at a time. They have previews out for the Eastern Conference, Atlantic Division, and the Eastern Conference, uh, what, what do they call the other one? Central. Sorry, my page is not Central Division. So they have those out Central. there. You, you can go. You have to click on the individual uh, club names in there to find out where they are projected to finish. Atlanta United Two I already know is projected to finish eighth in their division. Uh, no surprise there. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. Go check those out. Uh, top five forwards article is out as well. Uh, Solomon Asante is mentioned, unfortunately. Which I I don't agree with. I was actually just looking at that one. I don't agree with that one at all. I mean, you have stars like Ilya Illich, Devin Sandoval, Amanda Moreno, not on that list. But yet you have Jerome Kiesewater out of FC Tulsa. Yeah, he's on there. Adam John is on there. Who uh, I didn't realize this. He signed. He signed with Orange County. So that's going to be an interesting player. You know, we've obviously played against him in the past. Um, be interesting to see him again out there in Orange County along with Bees. Um, so can't wait to see that. Also came out this week, uh, Oakland Roots has a new investor. I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but uh, Beast Mode. Beast Marshawn Mode. Lynch. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch has become a investor in Oakland Roots, uh, which I think is fantastic. And I think I, I, I watched the interview he did with uh, Taylor Twelman and it's it's incredible, you know, reading his story here, reading about his involvement with Oakland Roots, and I believe they also brought in a new sponsor at the same time, and that was part of his uh, part of his agreement as far as coming on board was to have a, a new per, new sponsor come in. Um, Skittles, so, yeah, I mean Skittles. <laughs> How big is it for the league when you have? well-known sports personalities such as Marshawn Lynch taking an interest and investing in local soccer clubs. I I think it's huge. Um, The fact that one of the, at the time, one of the biggest names in the NFL um, is investing in a lower league per se. I mean, I would honestly put USL above MLS, but for it to for Bismo to be investing into a lower league um says a lot and not even that investing into a brand new team says even more that he has faith in what the USL can do with new clubs and he wants to be a part of it so i'm 100% big names investing in smaller clubs and i want to 
I want to say if a Skittles colored Oakland Roots kit were to come out, Mom, I'm going to need another sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, I pretty much. Marshawn Lynch, of course, is uh, is not the only investor in USL. We know that uh, uh, Russell Wilson has also invested in uh, Portland. Um, so, Jacob, I mean, you know, Earl just gave us his, his point of view. I mean, from your perspective, you know, we're seeing more and more folks, you know, Russell Wilson, Ciara, Marshawn Lynch, Matthew McConaughey. You know, if you look at uh, LAFC, or, uh, you have um, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, you know, guys like that all investing in, the, in these clubs. Do you think that these personalities investing in them actually brings more awareness or is it more like, – do you think they're coming from a legitimate, like, love of the sport or is it just a, a, a publicity thing? No, I think it's, uh, you mentioned the interview Marshawn did. It doesn't sound like a publicity stunt on his part. That's for sure. Uh, McConaughey with Austin, who knows? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> McConaughey is kind of a, a strange duck, but, um, so uh, on that one, Jacob, don't lose your thought with Matthew McConaughey investing in Austin. Um, I feel like that's legitimate because he is also a alumni for Texas uh, University of Texas in Austin. Yeah, and he he supports the Longhorn sports programs very very much. So so yeah, I agree. I I don't I don't think any of these are publicity stunts. For the longest time, I didn't even know uh, Wilson and Sierra owned any of of the Sounders up there. So um, you can't call it a publicity stunt if it's not in the public eye. Uh, I think it's just wanting to be a part of something cool. And you look at what the Oakland roots movement has been since when they were in a smaller league. And you look at the movement that's gotten behind Austin, you look at LAFC and their, their giant fan section over there. Like it, it's all leading towards soccer being a bigger deal in America. And, I think people are kind of realizing that and wanting to be a part of it. And so there you see these bigger names buying into soccer clubs all over the country. Kind of a, a tangential question here. Do you think this level of interest from folks who are in the public eye, from celebrity, do you think that puts pressure on USSF to look more at pro rel or do you think that these folks are these investors are are okay with the system the way it is well i think that depends on who you're asking if you're asking somebody that's an mls owner part owner they're not going to want pro rel they don't want their team to to drop down to a lower league if you're asking like marshawn lynch he'd probably be all for it for a little while uh with the chance to move up but i think oakland probably has a chance to move up anyways um if they can find the money so it pro rel with the MLS being involved, I think is very, very unlikely for the foreseeable future. And by foreseeable future, I mean 50 years. Like I, I don't see the MLS ever getting into a pro rel situation, but I could see a USL, USL league one, USL league two type situation where there's pro rel if USL gets big enough and it might. So I don't think it puts any pressure on anybody to do anything because the money is already there. 
No, I, I agree with you. So it doesn't put pressure on the USSFF, whatever the hell they're called, or the USL board members, committee decision makers, because it's not really pressure on them. Um, with Marshawn obviously buying some of Oakland and Matthew McConaughey being part of Austin and Russell Wilson being part of Port or to Portland, um, that all that shows is that there's a vested interest in the sport, um, and not even the sport. It's a vested interest in their community. Obviously, Marshawn Lynch is huge in Oakland. He was huge in Seattle with the kids. Um, so it's good because it'll help their, when they decide to make an academy league and they decide to make their academy, um, it's good because Marshawn has a huge heart for the youth, for the youth out there. Um, so I don't think it puts any pressure to develop any pro rel anything. Um, it just actually doesn't put pressure on anything because it's just average people wanting to have a vested say in what's going on. Yeah. All great points there uh, from both of you. And yeah, I have to agree. I think, I think for the most part, you we're not seeing these celebrities come in. We're not seeing these investors come in and do it for the publicity. Uh, you look at guys like, you know, like you mentioned, you know, we talked about Matthew McConaughey. We talked about uh, Marshawn Lynch and they genuinely seem to have a love of it. And I think that's fantastic, especially with the, you know, mentioned the outreach that the roots do. And, you know, they have a thing, a new program out there. Again, it was part of Marshawn's reasoning for coming in called goal setter to help underprivileged youth. They learn financial skills and other things. And I, I think him and his foundations and the, and the charity work that he does and getting involved at a more local level is just going to you know drive more awareness to, to what, what he's trying to do. Number one, but, I don't think it's done for for the publicity. I think it's done, you know, for the pure love, like you said, you know, of the community, of the kids, and you know, being involved and help bringing awareness to different things. I gotta ask one question for you guys: Are you ready to talk United? Duh. Do you not see everything, <laughs> everything around me, everything on me? I'm just Such making sure. We, we, we've been at this for a little while, so make sure you guys are still ready for it. You know. So I need to I need to make an amendment on on one of my comments that I said over the weekend. Okay. Jacob sent us a picture of him wearing a kit on Sunday driving home. I'm assuming he was driving back to Fort Nowhere, where he's probably the only United fan out there, minus his family. He he says no, but I don't believe that there's anyone else out there. I mean, anyways, I did say that I wished that he stepped on a Lego at 2 a.m. in the morning. And no one was around to hear him cry. I need to amend that to I I actually pray that he steps on a goat head at four in the morning while getting up to drink a glass of milk and he spills that glass of milk and no one is around to clean up that glass of milk or hear him cry or listen to him bitch and moan. First of all, I never cry over spilt milk. But you cry over go heads. No, I usually just cuss like a sailor. <laughs> and and second of all, well, there's so many things there. First of all, second of all, what number am I on? I don't know. I was not. I don't think it matters. I was only on my way home from Albuquerque. I was on my way from Albuquerque to Las Lunas. 
because I rode the motorcycle back there, down over there and back. So I did not take that picture when I was driving home to Fort Sumner because that would have been impossible because I was on a motorcycle with three jackets on. Second of all, there is a person that works at the clinic here that splits time between here and Santa Fe and is a United fan. He's got a United sticker on his car, and I talk to him about it all the time. And that's basically all I got there. Uh, so as everyone knows, we are just over two weeks away from the opening weekend of the USL championship season. Uh, we know that United will take on RGV and there, but in, in the meantime, there has been action down at Mesa del Sol. Jacob and I were both down there this past weekend. And like I said, Jacob, first of all, it was good to see you in person for the first time in over a year. It's been quite a while and, uh, getting to, to hang out and watch them, watch some football with you and be down there. It's just a lot of fun. And I, I think I can speak for both of us when I say that we were both fairly well, fairly imp- impressed, especially with the Academy kids that we got to see while we were out there. Yeah, I, I was, I've been impressed, you know, the last two matches that we've been able to watch, whether it was me and you in person this last weekend or or the week before when you were there and I was watching on, on YouTube, the team looks fantastic. And just about everybody aside from um, maybe one person that I don't really want to name because I like him too much, uh, has looked like they're already in midseason form. So I am really excited about what starting on May 1st is going to happen in the regular season. And the biggest takeaway that I have is, is we have, we have so much depth on the attacking side now and so many high caliber players that can score and contribute in other ways, whether it's the assist or what I call the hockey assist there's just so many good things to see. We saw two set piece goals on Saturday, which is rare for United. So to see these things all kind of coming together and seeing the ball in the back of the net, what is it? Four, five, six, seven, seven, eight, nine times in the last three matches. Uh, if you include the San Diego one that we couldn't see and you have, you have those, you have nine goals, and I'm going to do this off the top of my head, so I might be slightly off, but I know Dev has one of them in San Diego. Amondo had one in San Diego. Then you have Amondo against Colorado Springs and Amondo this last weekend against FC Tucson. Then you have Suggs, Schmidt, Schwartz and Cello. Two, two cellos and a Schwartz. All... All of those players, well, you have Dev and Amondo from last year, then Suggs and Schmitty from the year before, for all three years, and then Cello and Swartz from from the from this new to this year, and that's with you know Illich has an assist in there, Brown has an assist in there, Cello has a couple of assists in there, Swartz has an assist in there, like it's just. Anybody and everybody is contributing to this offensive output that we've had these last three matches. And and that is the most exciting thing to me because that is what we lacked so desperately last year. Despite having Weehan, Adamondo, and Dev, you know, we didn't have that other guy up top. You know, Romeo Parks came in and everybody thought he could do that. He could be that Kevon replacement 
and he just didn't didn't produce. Uh, I thought he performed well. He just didn't finish. And then you didn't really have those secondary attacking pieces in the cellos and the Swartzes. And then another person that I've been incredibly, incredibly impressed with is Brucey. Uh, they finally got Brucey back into an attacking role this year, and he looks unstoppable on the wing out there at times. So it just looks like it's all coming together. The defense has been a little spotty. Uh, we, we talked about the goal that they gave up against FC Tucson being the slowest rolling goal I think either of us have seen in a long time. So that that was just kind of a fluke play. I think Big Phil got blocked out over there, didn't see it right away, and by the time he saw it, he couldn't, couldn't quite reach the corner. But um, I, I think the defense is going to be stout just like it was last year. I think we're... So far, we've seen uh, a three-five-two uh, formation for the most part, which we saw a lot of last year as well, and I think that's contributed to our defensive success quite a bit. Um, and then you've seen it this year contributing an offensive side of the ball with Suggs and Brucey and Swartz all bombing down the sides. Um, so yeah, I, I I can't wait for for the regular season, uh, I got the schedule up behind me here and, uh, I'm going to keep this up just for the record. This isn't in like an office. It's not in a bedroom. This is in my kitchen. I am in my kitchen. I record the podcast at my dining room table. This is a corner of our kitchen where I have usually the, the, the big version of this one hanging up. And I will leave this up as long as my wife lets me. So, um, and and this for sure will stay up somewhere in the living room, dining room area, no matter what. So I'm going to keep looking at that, keep counting them down. I think I'm going to have to get me a silver Sharpie and after every match, write the results next to it. So I, I couldn't be more fired, fired up to see this club in action for real in a couple weeks. So, ladies and gentlemen, you guys heard it first. Uh, we have two um, crowdsourcing that we need. We need one crowdsource for Seth's kit, and we need a second crowdsource for Jacob's silver sharpie. Oh, I thought you were going to say a house <laughs> so that I could have my own podcast room, but I I think I can afford the silver sharpie by myself. Or... <laughs> well, look, I, I'm trying to go cost efficient and not ask too much of our fans. So, I mean, a house would be nice, but we got to start small. So what you're saying is they get me the silver Sharpie and then I trade the silver Sharpie for something else that's a little more valuable and then a little more valuable. Eventually I get a house. I mean, you could always try to put a silver Sharpie down as a down payment for a house. No, that's not how it works. Have you not seen this where they take a silver Sharpie or they take like a paperclip and they eventually keep trading it and trading it and trading it? For bigger and better or, things until they have a until they have a car, or you just get the house on your own, and when you go to sign the closing papers, you use that silver sharpie. Ooh, okay, fair, fair. Anyways, just uh, make sure you don't end up with uh, Professor Copperfield's miracle legumes if you're going to be trading up. I think me and Earl both just <laughs> right over our heads. <laughs> Sorry, it's an office reference. Yeah, that's why it went right over my head. Look, you cannot throw Dwight Schrute's at me. You can't throw Bob Vance at me. 
shit, you can't even throw Toby Flinderson at me. Especially not this late at night. <laughs> are you making up names? What are you doing? I know. Those are all legitimate characters from The Office. There you go. Uh, so I want to ask, Earl, you you weren't able to make it out to the match on Saturday. Um, when you saw that we had beaten FC Tulsa by the final of 3-1, to one, knowing what you know about our club, knowing that FC Tulsa, uh, I'm sorry, FC, that's FC Tulsa, FC Tucson is a, is a League One club. Did you feel that it was an act, it was a, appropriate result for our team or would you would you have expected more against a lower division opponent i expected to win with it being not that close so obviously three ones not a close game um no it's about what i expected i mean i don't expect like a five nil game i don't expect a six nil game i wish it would happen against like phoenix and el pasos but the fact that it's a preseason game against fc tucson who yeah they're division one team whatever the fact that we won and we walked out healthy and learning more than what we knew the week before, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I may or may not have called for a 6-1 win uh, right before kickoff. Um, and I was almost there. I It it was 3-1. Cello missed an absolute sitter that should have made it 4-1. And then the academy, it, it was kind of nice because so... So they played 90 minutes of United versus FC Tucson. Uh, we saw a couple academy kids come in during that 90 minutes. After that 90 minutes, they played what Peter called a third half, which by math standards doesn't work, but um, by soccer standards, it's, it worked just fine, where they had, it was, it was supposed to be our academy kids versus FC Tucson, which it was, but they left... Kalen was in for that extra 45 minutes. Brucey was in for that extra 45 minutes. Amondo was in for that extra 45 minutes. And Sergio Rivas was in for that extra 45 minutes. Oh, and Tanari was in for that extra 45 minutes. And then Tanaka Tambakis was our goalie for the 45 minutes. Um, so they had six of the 11 players were actually first teamers for that extra 45 minutes. So we really got an extra 45 minutes to see New Mexico United almost. Um, they did give up two goals in an extra 45 minutes, but we scored three goals in an extra 45 minutes. Uh, one of which was by Mondo or Rivas. I couldn't, I think it was Mondo. And then we saw two from Christian Nava, who is a Academy prospect. And he was all over the place. He, he played in the, the, the second half of the actual match and was all over the place then. So that kid was, everywhere and was fun to watch so we got to see even more than than just 90 minutes of of some of these guys and and i really appreciated that it was fun we didn't even go to the press conference um they had a press conference with brian brown and schmidt it looked like but we just stayed in our little pod because there was live soccer to be watched with we were facing the same club so it was the same competition it's not like we played a bunch of scrubs during that time. Uh, and let me tell you, FC Tucson for being league one had some tall, tall, beefy dudes out there. They had, they had a couple that towered over Kalen and Schmidt. Like they were, they were up there. So those set piece goals that we talked about, I mean, those, 
you might look at it and say, oh, those came against a, a League One opponent. Yes, they did, but they were not short little puny guys. It wasn't it wasn't a bunch of amateurs out there. They were they looked professional and they looked they looked pretty good. Yeah, on Justin's he had to really get up to get a, to get ahead to his, and uh, he had to come like it was fantastic. He had to come like back towards midfield and get it. And then uh, New Mexico United just put out two or put out a post with the two headers and asked which one was better. And they have good angles of both of them where you can see exactly what happened. What they don't show is on the Schmidty one or the Suggs one in the first half. It was a a corner that kind of got recycled and sent back in and Illich put a beautiful ball in for Suggs who was just left wide open at the top of the six for some reason and he finished it beautifully so goals are looking good the defense is looking good the academy players are looking good I couldn't be more excited guys as you can tell I've talked for I think 20 minutes of this second hour by myself no, that's perfectly fine, you know. And yeah, you, Jacob, and like I said, Jacob and I were both out there. We were talking the entire match, watching these guys, and yeah, the the attack looks very good. We we have options. We have guys who are bombing forward. Brucey looked fantastic, like you mentioned. Um, and yeah, seeing Brucey in that attacking role, you know, it's definitely something I think he's better suited towards. I think he made better decisions uh, this this match than he did the one before, and and and, and, and it showed. I'm going to make my answer on that post on which one was my favorite. Okay. I like the Suggsy one better. The Suggsy one was nice, man. I, I think I agree with you there. Go. So here's here's the reason why I picked the Suggsy one. Um, and it's not even on the pitch. His son? Because the, the very first person that he meets after he scores that freaking goal is his son. Yeah. That's how Still I knew it was Suggs. my heart. That's how I knew it was Suggs because it happened on the opposite side from where me and Seth watched it. And we see the ball go in the back of the net. We can't quite tell who it is. And then I see him running and a little kid running out towards him. And I was like, ah, I know who that is. That's definitely Suggs. But yeah, I, even if you look at what happened on the pitch, um, I think the the Schmitty one was a well-placed ball by Cello who I, I think we're going to see so much better service from corner kicks and free kicks because Cello just seems to be a maestro at it. I mean, he every, every free kick and corner kick that I've seen him put in has been better than Weehan, who usually took most of our corner kicks last year. Um and that's nothing against Weehan. It's just Cello, Cello seems to be able to pick out a spot the size of a pinhead and put the ball there. Um, and the Schmidt one was a perfect ball. Schmidt had to go back for it, but it kept it away from the defenders so they couldn't clear it. And Schmidt made a nice play on it and put it in the back of the net. But the Suggs one, um, if I remember right, they played it short and then sent it in. And then Illich was able to get to it. And the ball from Illich was one of the best balls that I've ever seen in such short space because he wasn't that far from Suggs in the first place. And it just had the perfect weight to it, the perfect height to it. And Suggs just powered it in. So, And then the third goal, which we haven't even talked about, which might be my favorite goal, 
was Brucey again, just getting space on on his side, beating his man, and then getting to the touchline and being able to cut it back past the keeper and a couple defenders with a beautiful ball to find Mondo just sitting there waiting for it to hit his foot and bounce into the net. I mean, it was it was just a beautiful, beautiful play all around on that side of the pitch. And, and those are the ones that are repeatable that we talked about after the Colorado Springs preseason match. You know, the cello goal in that one, kind of a one-off, but everything else in that you could see happening over and over and over again. And that's what these three goals kind of reminded me that of that, where it's, it's not, none of them were flukes. None of them were like super human efforts by one player or another. They were just great team goals and very repeatable. Yeah. I think there were a lot of good takeaways from that match. Uh, a lot of good things to look forward to as this, as the preseason ends uh, this following week. And as uh, we get into the season here in just over two weeks, so before we do get out of here, we do want to remind everyone that there is one final preseason match that is going to be this Saturday, the 24th, the in Phoenix against Phoenix rising FC. I haven't seen anything as far as whether or not this one is going to be live streamed anywhere. Have you guys seen anything? I have not yet seen it. Um, I'm hoping that Phoenix wants to show off their new digs, but at the moment, I have not seen any news on if it will be or not. We are going to try to get Earl a, a press pass to be out there because he will be in Phoenix anyways. Um, so we might be able to have some coverage for you. But uh, it, next week's episode, I think, will be a pretty long um, just season and preview episode uh, after I get my rent content out or, or at least part of it out. And then... Um, We'll have some questions and some answers and some some thoughts uh, as far as what we can expect this this regular season. Probably a little bit of a playoff preview, not a playoff preview, but a playoff prediction. See who makes it and and whatnot. So unless we can get Earl out there to talk about the match and see what he sees, it'll probably be mainly that. So if this match is live streamed on Saturday. With it being the the final match of the preseason, is there anything in particular that you're still wanting to see from the club, or are you pretty, or are you okay with what you've seen so far? I want to see Ryden start. Um, the last two matches that we've watched, anyways, Ryden has come off the bench, and while Ryden's on the bench, we have given up goals. Um, so. I want to see him start. I want to see how that defense looks with with him and presumably Yearwood and Hamilton back there with him and see if that shores up that back line a little more than it has against FC Tucson and Colorado Springs. So I actually like what I've seen so far. Um, I got to watch the first match, which, yeah, kind of rusty first match, um, but I liked what I saw then. I liked what I saw and I've heard from the past couple weeks. Um, so I'm pretty content with what I've with what we have at the moment. Um, with this last match being against Phoenix, I would like a bucket load of goals to go in. Um, I would also like for Solomon Asante to like lose a toenail. Would not be opposed to that. I'm I'm curious to see 
So, so like you look at football, right? When we have a preseason in the NFL, the fourth match is kind of a, or the fourth game is kind of just a, we're going to play who's fighting for a spot. And you might see, you might see Brady for a, for a series. Uh, and that's about it. So I'm kind of curious to see, and and especially with this being a club that we're going to play in the regular season, a club that we have had a rivalry with since we came into the league, you know, is, is that, are we going to show our full deck? Are we going to show our cards to them in this preseason match? Or are we going to play kind of close to the vest, play a little bit of younger guys, play a little bit of people that we can expect to see coming off the bench? I personally would love to see a starting lineup that will resemble our opening day starting lineup at least for the first half and then maybe go from there. And I think we will. I think I think we'll see Ryden in there to start. I think we'll see um, Dev and Mondo. I think it'll be very similar to the Colorado Springs match just with Ryden in there for Schmidt and... And see what I want to see how that stacks up against Phoenix before we actually start playing real games. See, and I am completely opposite. I would love nothing more but to see Coach Troy do the ultimate flex and start a whole bunch of academy kids. <laughs> That's yeah, I, mean, I would love nothing more than that. From a hilarity standpoint, I think that would be good, but from a team standpoint and wanting to see what we have, I, I also don't, I don't want them to be rusty going into the RGV match. And I want them to have at least, you know, a few minutes of, of play against Phoenix while getting ready for the next match. Right. I didn't say I didn't want to see them not play. Just not start. Okay. I just, I just want to see a whole bunch of star, a whole bunch of Academy kids start and then Coach Troy started throwing in his weapons like Dev and Mondo and Kaylin and Brucey and Suggsy, and then run from whatever comes after that. All right, I have one final question for you guys before we uh, get out of here for tonight. It is late. How far into the season do you think we get before we see our first truly controversial call of the new season? 19 minutes. <laughs> I think I don't know if we'll see one against RGV. I think uh, no offense, Ron Patel, but I think we will win that one handily, so there won't be any room for controversy. However, the next week we play in El Paso, and that uh, will be a prime spot for controversy, one way or the other. So, so I think probably that El Paso match, there'll be something there that is uh, less than less than stellar from the refs. Oh, you have so much faith in USL refs. Look, man, I don't, I don't knock them because it's it's not easy. We've talked about this on the I podcast know, that it's not. I easy. know it's not easy, and and it's but I also have seen USL refs, and I am being very very modest when I give them nineteen minutes. See, I don't think they're that bad. I think on the grand scheme of things, it's it is very hard. Uh, we've talked about this on here too, that I think it's very hard for one person to referee an entire soccer match from the pitch and having two guys on each sideline that can only go to half field or midfield. Uh, so wherever you're at on the pitch, there's really only two eyes that 
have good views of most things. And that's very difficult. So for what they're doing, for as as much as I want, or as much as it, it's going to take better refs to make the USL a better league, I can't imagine it's easy to find soccer referees right now um, that are that high caliber that will do it for whatever their USL pays. So I'm not going to talk crap. There will be calls that I disagree with. There always are. But honestly, last year, there weren't near as many as there were that first year. There weren't near as many. Are you serious? You're going to give us a penalty for that? When the guy flopped, looking at you, Phoenix. You know, there. last year, if if we awarded a they awarded a penalty to the op- opposing team, it was pretty much, yeah, a penalty. And everybody's going to look at this and say, oh, what about the handball on Weehan in the in the playoff match that won us the game? And I'm still sitting here going, show me a freaking angle that shows he for sure touched the ball with his arm and I'll cop to it. But there's not an angle. And the ball doesn't change that much, if at all. And you had plenty of chances to make that stop beforehand. And you had plenty of chances to score a goal beforehand. So, so 200 to $500 per match. Yeah, that's that's not a lot of money, man. I mean, it it is, but where are these guys coming from? They're having to travel probably the whole weekend for this match, and they're getting that? How much of that is gas in the first place? So, it, it's still not, not a great big deal f- for me. I, I can't imagine they have high-quality referees knocking down their door to ref usl games you gotta start somewhere jacob no thanks (laughs) all right i think that's gonna just about do it for us here tonight this was of course part two of our episode number 35 uh thank you guys so much for listening jacob get us out of here yeah i it's late uh but we had fun i'm super excited for next week because when we come back next week there will be no more preseason there will be no more speculation we will be talking about, well, there will be speculation, I guess, because we'll be talking about our first match of the regular season. And really, we talk about a bunch of things on this podcast, but the whole reason why we have this podcast is because of United, and it is what I look forward to talking about the most uh, when we hop on here. So next week, expect a lot of that. And then every week after that, you know, we're going to have regular season matches to talk about and break down and look forward to and it's going to be a lot of United from here on out. So that's going to be right in the wheelhouse of, of why we're here. As you can see by the the flags and schedule up behind me, you got flags behind Earl. Um, I don't know what you have behind Seth because all I see is a green sheet on my end. Um, you know, it... Seth has a full back piece of New Mexico United. That's true. That's true. It is actually... Uh, a celebration of the first goal where you have Dev and Santi and several others in a circle. It's just, it's it, right there. In fact, it's you, actual, can see, you can see Dev's dreads coming out of his armpit. It's his actual image of it too. Like it's a full color. You can see really Jacob over there crying. Like it's pretty, it's yeah. pretty crystal clear for, especially for it being prison work. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Really. <laughs> next time you see him, ask him to take his shirt off. Cause uh, you will, You'll be blown away, guys. You'll be blown away. And not even by the tattoo, by the six-pack he rocks. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and like I said, dreads, dreads coming out of his armpit. Like he, he, he dreaded his armpit hair and Devin's head is right there. It, it's, it's really, it's a three dimensional piece that will just blow you away. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys are, you're gonna be thinking about that all night, Earl, all night. I'm just wondering how much egg you used to, to dredge your armpit hair. I, you know, quite a bit. Yeah, it's, 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 it's more than you think. That's for sure. But anyways, guys, um, check us out. All the normal spots, social media everywhere. Somos Mas NM on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we've been more active on the Instagram, or I have, anyways. Um, Earl's always active over there on Facebook. Uh, the Twitter is Twitter. I don't understand Twitter as far as using it. Uh, I scroll it all the time because that's where I get most of my USL news is from it. Um, but you can still reach us out, reach out to us on there. Uh, you can email all of us individually. You can private message, direct message, whatever you want to call it. All of us on any social media platform. And you know where to find us, man. Next Tuesday, we'll be right here previewing the season, maybe breaking down a little bit of Phoenix if we can watch it some way, shape, or form. And yeah, I I can't wait. It's the most exciting time of the year, except for it should have been a month ago that it was the most exciting time of the year. But we'll take the later start. The wait's almost over. We got 10 days, essentially, until we have New Mexico United soccer. Maybe a little bit more. Maybe it's 12. I don't know. I, mean, I can't do math at midnight. So yeah. Until next week, guys. Somos Unidos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.